first scripture reading is from Isaiah, the ninth chapter, verses two through seven. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is taken from Luke's Gospel and Luke's account of the birth of Christ. We are in the second chapter, verses 1 through 20. That's right, 20. Settle in. It's important. Relax. Place yourself in the zone. See with your mind this vision that is presented for this event that happened. Listen again with fresh ears. Luke 2, 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with this angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. 
So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It is a special time. It is a special night. We are so glad to welcome all of you here, especially those that are visitors, our family. How many from out of town here tonight? Show of hands. Good. We are so glad that you are here. I remember well the traditions of my family. So much of the holidays is about families getting together. I know that especially if you're from out of town, you're probably uncomfortable. You certainly are here. You don't know me. You don't know us. In your environment, if you are at one home and you have multiple generations of family there at one time, what a gift and what a challenge. I remember well the hierarchy of sleeping was generally that the younger you were, the closer you slept to the floor. Right? You remember? If you're an adult, if this is your house you are hosting, you have the privilege of your own bed. Maybe middle and uh, older adults, middle aged and up, you've got your bed. But anywhere from about a third grader in elementary school up through young adulthood, you may get promoted when you get married, maybe not. But the hierarchy starts on the couch, right? You have the pull-out couch. And why in the world in 2018 have we not changed the design of the pull-out couch? Still uncomfortable. Engineers of the world, let's do something about that. But you're off the ground. You have some mattress. Then next in the hierarchy, we move to the variety of inflatable mattresses. And now we're moving to the younger. Now these are some big and fancy. Some are off the ground, but most, maybe you get a couple inches to maybe a foot or two. You can sleep on those. That's not bad. And if you're a little bit younger, then you move to the camp mats. Those are the ones that are thinner. Maybe you blow them up yourself. And maybe you get an inch off the ground, and they're skinny. If you roll over, you just might as well get comfortable with the floor. And then the last in the hierarchy of age and sleeping, the pallet. That's right. You don't even merit a bed. These are generally World War II blankets that hadn't seen the light of day since then that are placed on the ground, and hopefully you brought your pillow with you. What a joyous time, and it is because we are with family. Challenges also come with that. We all have those crazy political people in our families that just won't let it go. Maybe you have someone in your family that dismantles your beautifully crafted gingerbread house, puts all four walls together, and says, keep the immigrants out. Maybe it swings the other way. And you have somebody who dismantles your beautiful gingerbread house, puts all four walls together next to each other, takes the gravy ladle, smashes it, and said, let all the immigrants in. Maybe you have somebody in the middle 
who dismantles your beautiful gingerbread house, puts all the walls together, takes a knife and cuts a little door that opens and closes. We are all over the spectrum and we come together. Why? Because this is a special time. It is filled with joy and wonder. Whether you are a person of faith or not, this is a special time. We all know the joy of the season. Of course, there are challenges. But something special and amazing happened tonight, many years ago. Not a good idea, not a hope, not a wish, not a crutch for weak people who can't deal with there not being something bigger than they are or can't deal with the question of the afterlife. This was a historical event. The incarnation, just our fancy word to say God became one of us, incarnate. Inside a flesh, Christ became just like us. God came to be with us because God loved us, you and me, and the world that much. That God would take that time and send us a Savior. Because we had messed it up, friends. We know that. We continue to. And we couldn't repair the damage on our own. So God sends Christ as an infant. And by the way, if you are going to fabricate Scripture, a Messiah, a story... Having God born to peasant woman and man from a hick town in Galilee, born in a stable of all places, rested in a feeding trough, which is what the manger is, into a weak infant would not have been the way to garner disciples of the day. The incarnation is what this day is all about. Though the bigger picture is that Christ was born so that he would grow to heal and teach and reconcile us with the world, give himself on the cross, and then be raised on that Easter day. Christmas Day changes the world forever through Easter, that through his resurrection, continues to change the world day by day. But the incarnation, again, God becoming as one of us, is at the heart of this story. God didn't have to become like one of us. But because he did, he understands our joys, our struggles, our challenges. He understands betrayal. He understands happiness and joy, laughter, sorrow, tragedy. So when we go through those times in our lives, we know that God knows that our Savior, risen Savior, knows what that's like as well and walks with us through the events of our lives. The incarnation. Reminded me of an episode from Sesame Street. If you remember the classic story of the princess and the frog... Typically, the handsome prince is the frog, and if the princess can fall in love with the frog and she kisses the frog, well then poof, he changes into the handsome prince and they ride off happy together. Sesame Street did it a little different. 
When she, the, the, queen, the princess, kissed the frog, she became a frog. And they hopped off together into the swamp happily. This is what God did for us. God sent Christ to be one of us into the swamp of our lives, both for good and for struggle, for the joy and for the sadness. What a gift right there. The incarnation. Robert Redman is a commentator, and he, he laid out three ways that God is incarnate through this story. One, the manger. Again, it's just a feeding trough. All of the animals would have said, what is that lump of flesh crying in my dinner plate? He was in the manger. Number one, that is the historical location for the incarnation. That place. So often we reduce Jesus nowadays to a universal set of truths or principles. Yes, Jesus was a good moral guide and character, and he was. But when we reduce him to that, we miss the incarnation. The manger screams back to us and says, no, there is a baby here that is more than a set of principles and universal truths. This is flesh and blood. This is God incarnate. Number two, the angels. When the angels appear, this heavenly host... That is the spiritual location for the incarnation. The manger was the historical location. The angels are the spiritual location for the incarnation. When they show up, there is a moment of awe and joy and wonder where heaven and earth are joined. I believe it still happens on a regular basis. This is the telling of that time. When heaven and earth all paused... All of heaven knew what was happening. Just a teeny little bit of the earth did. The shepherds. Later, Mary and Joseph would know. But it is the spiritual location of the incarnation. And third, the shepherds. In Luke's account, we have angels and shepherds. It's Matthew that has the wise men and the star. So we are focusing on angels and shepherds for this conversation. The social location for the incarnation are the shepherds. God did not send emissaries ahead of time and gather Caesar Augustus, the Roman Senate, the Jewish authorities, Herod, and all of the leadership, the chief priests and scribes and Pharisees, the leaders and big shots of the day. He didn't call them and say, get ready, he's coming. I want to make sure you know. He went to the scuzzy shepherds. They were living in the fields, which means that they were ritually unclean and could not even attend temple because they were not only low on the socioeconomic status level ladder, but they were unclean and would not be granted access to worship to the temple. God starts and picks them. Them, the outsiders, the marginalized, as if to say something different is coming. 
Something is going to be a challenge to the power structures and principalities of the day. And Christ came for everyone to be sure. But he also came to make sure that those who were outside of the day-to-day would be welcomed as well. That's quite the turning of the apple cart. Christ will continue to do this through his ministry. Those that are marginalized, those that are on the outside, non-believers left and right, Christ reaches out and reconciles them, brings them, heals them, teaches them, and says, come on, you have a place here. As a matter of fact, there's good evidence that most of the early church was started by all of these marginal people who were considered not important because they had nowhere to go. No one valued them. But Christ welcomed them in. Paul welcomed them in. The Spirit brought them together. And so we are here tonight. The incarnation. So God not only seeks you to know that Christ came as an infant, but seeks to be incarnate in your life, in your heart, in your world. I know we carry a lot with us. And there are a lot of exceptional claims that Christianity makes. But this isn't the time to stand on the same walls that separate you from a powerful and meaningful life just because you can't think through one particular thing. We often have throw the baby out with the bath water syndrome because we don't have it all figured out because there are some questions. Well, I can't commit to that. I don't fully understand all of that. Well, you're missing out. You're missing it. If you look on the cover of your bulletin. Gary, go ahead and get that work of art up, if you would. This is a work of art titled, The Age of Augustus, The Birth of Christ by Jean-Léon Jérôme. 1852-54, in that area. He was a French artist. He was a sculptor. He was a musician. He was a teacher. He was commissioned by the court of Napoleon III to do this historical canvas. And he traveled around the different nations of the world to try to accurately depict different-looking people in his artwork. If you, so if you look, and it's, it's hard to see. I know it's little. I'll describe it to you. So up on the top, first of all, it's a worship space. This is the Roman god Janus, for which we may have taken the month of January. This was the Roman god of transitions, of beginnings, of gates, of doorways. But this is that place, and who's sitting there up on top on the throne? Caesar Augustus. That is the Roman emperor of the day. They were seen as divine themselves. You see right below Caesar, he's putting his hand on uh, a man that has a red garment on. That is to symbolize Rome. And if you look to the right and the left on that same level, 
You see the, the leaders, you see the Roman Senate, you see uh, teachers, um, those that were closer to him. And then on the lower level, you look around and you start to see different kinds of people. These were to represent the different nations that Rome occupied. So you see different garments. You see people riding animals. You see all kinds of things in this pageantry, in this day-to-day, -day, in this false worship of the state. All that we would look at to see idolatrous and ridiculous and the flow of every day in that time and space if you look at the very bottom, there's a little light shining. That is the Christ child. You look right above the Christ child on the ground, on that soft pallet, <laughs> the lowest of the low, thank you. You have Mary and Joseph, and you have an angel protecting them, looking over his or her shoulders as if to say, this is Caesar's world. This is his kingdom, the world. But something is breaking into this world. Everything is going to change. Now, one of the things I love about this particular painting is that your eye is drawn to the top, to the sides, all of the activity, all of the color, just as... We look at this picture. Those who are featured are also looking at Caesar. They are looking at the other people, everything else. Nobody in this picture sees Christ being born. It is such a challenge for us not to be the crowd here. We are overrun and overwrought with principalities, with government, with politics, with our day-to-day, -day, just as they were, and all of these people missed it. We can very easily live our lives as one of those people in the crowd, looking around, never realizing that Christ is right there, seeking us, seeking to dwell incarnate in our hearts, in our lives, in this world. So tonight we are called in joy and wonder, not out of obligation, go listen to the blah, blah, Jesus, blah, blah, Jesus. And by the way, at least if you hear Jesus, then you're getting what you need to get. But we have celebrated these candles of hope, joy, peace, and love. Those are not sweet sentiments. These are those things that come with Christ. We don't have to like this world, but we are called to change it through Christ. Through the hope, through the peace, through the joy, through the love that comes with Christ incarnate, we can and should make this world a better place. Don't miss out on what Christ is trying to do here today through you, through us, and through this continued world. We don't need to be down on the world. Yes, it is messy and it is broken, but so are we. And there is still so much love, joy, and the light will never be overtaken by the darkness. Never. And we can be the people who go from here again with the indwelling of the Christ within us, 
Continue to think, continue to ask questions, continue to work, but don't continue to be one of the masses who misses the most significant event of human history that is happening right here in this picture and that we celebrate tonight. Christ has come in joy and wonder. Let us open our lives and celebrate. Hallelujah. Amen.